Good Thursday morning, and thank you for joining us here on the Schmoyer Reinhard Employment Law Podcast. Now, as with every episode, I will need to remind you that the information provided on this podcast does not constitute legal advice. Instead, All information provided on this podcast is for general information purposes only. Due to the timing of recordings or the ever-changing nature of the law, when you sit down and listen to the podcast, the episode may not constitute the most up-to-date legal information. Welcome back to the Schmoyer Reinhard Employment Law Podcast. With the prevalence and accessibility of COVID-19 vaccines, many employers are considering their options for mandating vaccines or merely encouraging employees to get vaccinated. On May 28, 2021, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, also known as the EEOC, provided updated guidance, stating that employers may require employees to get a COVID-19 vaccine as long as employers comply with other statutory requirements. This is in part because COVID-19 meets what is called a direct threat analysis under the Americans with Disabilities Act. The Americans with Disabilities Act, also known as the ADA, states that an employer can have a policy with a, quote, requirement that an individual shall not pose a direct threat to the health or safety of individuals in the workplace. Now, a direct threat is a significant risk of substantial harm that cannot be eliminated or reduced by a reasonable accommodation. The direct threat analysis is a fact-specific and individualized assessment of the employee's ability to safely perform the essential job functions of their job. The determination that a particular employee poses a direct threat should be based on reasonable medical judgment that relies on the most current medical knowledge about COVID-19, such as the rate of a community spread, whether the employee works alone or with other employees or non-employees, whether the employee works outside or indoors or in well-ventilated areas in their workspace, the number of vaccinated or partially vaccinated employees already in the workplace, and whether or not employees are wearing masks in the type of health screenings taking place at work. The mere ability to mandate vaccines does not mean that every employer should necessarily do so. In considering their COVID-19 policy, employers should consider a vaccine policy that is appropriate for their workforce, workforce culture and environment, and the overall operations, one that is centered on the safety and well-being of the workplace and the efficiency of their operations, all while navigating the rapidly changing guidance in any state or federal laws or regulations. For example, President Biden has announced that the federal government will require employees to attest to their vaccination status. Any person who does not attest or who is not vaccinated will be required to mask at all times, test at least one to two times per week, socially distance, and generally will not be allowed to travel to work. Further, the Department of Defense has announced that it will seek presidential approval to require all of its employees, including uniformed personnel that are both civilian and contractor staff, to be vaccinated by the middle of September 
or whenever vaccines receive U.S. Food and Drug Administration licensing, whichever of those come first. With the increase in mandated vaccines, many individuals have voiced concerns regarding the emergency use authorization of the vaccine, the first large-scale use and production of mRNA technology in the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, and the fast tracking of the production of the vaccinations compared with traditional clinical trial periods, among other considerations. Public health officials have noted that these COVID-19 vaccines, particularly the mRNA vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna, are among the industry's most effective vaccines. Considering these issues, many employers are now tasked with balancing each of these considerations and evaluating their approach to the COVID-19 vaccination policies that they create and implement. Before I look into any guidance or regulations, I want to first point your attention to a case of first impression in the state of Texas. Recently, a court in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Texas was asked to consider a case in which employees were discharged for rebuffing their employer's mandatory vaccination policy and subsequently brought suit for wrongful termination. The case is Bridges versus Houston Methodist Hospital. For some background, in April 2021, Houston Methodist Hospital announced a policy mandating its employees receive COVID-19 vaccinations as a condition of their employment. Following the announcement of the vaccine requirement, 117 employees, which was a small percentage of the workforce, filed a lawsuit to block the vaccine requirement, alleging that the hospital was unlawfully requiring its employees to be vaccinated and that any resulting termination would be a wrongful termination in violation of public policy. The plaintiffs argued that individuals cannot be forced to take unapproved medicine and that no available COVID-19 vaccine had ever been fully approved by the Food and Drug Administration. The hospital, in response, moved to dismiss the case. On June 12, 2021, Judge Lynn H. Hughes in the Southern District of Texas sided with the hospital and dismissed the employee's wrongful termination claim. In dismissing the employee's claims, the court noted that Texas law only provides narrow protection for employees claiming wrongful termination. In particular, Texas law only protects employees who claim they were terminated for refusing to commit a criminal activity. The court held that receiving a COVID-19 vaccination is hardly an illegal act and that doing so carries no criminal penalties. Accordingly, under Texas law, the court found that the claimants did not specify what illegal or criminal act they had refused to perform requiring dismissal of their claims. The court additionally found that Texas does not recognize an exception to the Atwell Doctrine for a wrongful termination claim predicated on an alleged violation of public policy. Even if it did, the hospital's injection requirement is consistent with public policy, the court held, citing a 1905 U.S. Supreme Court decision that ruled that compulsory vaccinations was not a violation of due process. Ultimately, the court concluded that if the employees did not want to receive a vaccine, they simply needed to work somewhere else. For these reasons, the court dismissed the remainder of plaintiff's claims. This case will be watched by employers and reviewed by judges with similar cases across the state and the country. Further, as this case involves an employer that was a health care provider, 
The ruling may be applied differently in non-healthcare related industries in which regulations for COVID-19 may be less stringent. The court also referred to the EEOC's recent updated guidance regarding COVID-19 vaccinations. The EEOC explicitly states that federal equal employment opportunity laws do not prevent employers from vaccinating employees physically in the workplace. Despite permitting employers flexibility in crafting their COVID-19 vaccination policies, the EEOC also requires that such policies do not have a disparate impact on any protected group whether it be due to their gender, their age, religion, or otherwise. And also that it not penalize groups who face greater barriers in accessing the COVID-19 vaccination. Employers who require vaccination must remember that an employee can request a reasonable accommodation for one of two reasons. First, per the Americans with Disabilities Act, an employee can request an accommodation based on a disability which prevents the employee from safely receiving a vaccine, such as an adverse allergic reaction to vaccinations. Second, an accommodation request from an employee can be based on sincerely held religious belief under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act that prohibits the employee from receiving a vaccine. Let's separately break down the difference between a reasonable accommodation request under the ADA for an employee with a disability, as opposed to a reasonable accommodation request under Title VII for an employee with a sincerely held religious belief that's objecting to a vaccine. Now, if someone has an autoimmune condition or other disability that bars them from taking COVID-19 vaccinations, employers should consider whether or not they can reasonably accommodate that disability. Where an employee has a medical condition that puts him or her at a greater risk of severe illness because of the vaccine, how they could have an adverse reaction or otherwise, and they then request a reasonable accommodation, the employers should sit down and engage in the interactive process. Employers can require certification of underlying disability, restrictions, and need for reasonable accommodation. Further, just because an accommodation has been requested does not mean that it has to be provided, nor that the accommodation requested that the employee prefers should be provided. Employers are not required to create light duty positions or eliminate essential job functions for employees that are unable to complete their essential job functions due to a disability. This is because a request for a disability accommodation does not require an employer to provide exactly as requested only to make sure that they can help them if possible to complete their essential job functions. Reasonable accommodations do not include anything that will create an undue hardship on the employer, whether it be due to the facility and what it could handle or due to expense. But employers should, where feasible, consider several potential accommodations for those employees that cannot be vaccinated including position transfers to positions that are open, enhanced safety protocols, which can continue to include wearing masks, social distancing, or enhanced sanitation measures, or remote work for employees where feasible. There is not a set standard on what to do, and employers must handle all of these cases on a case-to-case -case basis. An accommodation request from an employee can also be based on a sincerely held religious belief under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. For example, an employee may approach their employer and say, 
I have a sincerely held religious belief, and due to my religion or my religious beliefs, I do not agree with anything being put into my body intravenously through medical treatment, or I also do not believe in some of the substances that have been in certain types of vaccines being put into my body and their use. Again, the employer should engage in the interactive process if they're approached by employee. But under the, the Title VII analysis, it is a much less stringent basis for an undue hardship defense to appear for the employer. In other words, there's a smaller burden of showing just a de minimis cost that would be an inconvenience of sorts for the employer to accommodate such a request. And if that request would create that, then the employer does not necessarily have to accommodate them. Where feasible, again, reasonable accommodation should be provided. And this can, again, include increased safety protocol. Uh, there's been examples in some case law where the employer has offered to give the employee um, social distancing opportunities, or there's been masks that they could wear, or gloves, or other types of safety measures to prevent them from having to get the vaccination. The employee, again, does not get to dictate to the employer what their accommodation will be. Just as with a request for accommodation for a disability, employers may also respond to a request for accommodation due to a sincerely held religious belief for a request for additional supporting documentation. Such requests in either case should be handled by an HR professional. In determining if a reasonable accommodation can be provided, employers also whether the accommodation would impose any additional hardships on the company as we've discussed. Now that could be, under COVID, a consideration of the proportion of employees in the workplace who are actually vaccinated against COVID, or the amount of contact the employees will likely have with others whose vaccination status is unknown. Undue hardship is a very high burden, particularly under the ADA, and from a practical perspective, employers should possibly consider the availability of accommodation first and not get too tied up in the details prior to starting to request additional documentation. It must be considered on a case-by-case -case basis, and there is no one-size-fits-all. Currently, employers may rely on CDC recommendations when deciding whether or not an effective accommodation is available that would not impose an undue hardship under the ADA. However, please remember the CDC's guidance is guidance. Continue to look to local, state, and federal laws and regulations in making any decisions for your company. The EEOC also provides that employees who do not receive a vaccination due to pregnancy are entitled to reasonable accommodations if the employer makes modifications or exceptions for other employees. Title VII, as amended by the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, specifically requires that women affected by pregnancy, childbirth, and related medical conditions be treated the same as others who are similar in their ability or inability to work. This means that a pregnant employee may be entitled to a job modification, including telework, changes to work schedules or assignment, and leave to the extent provided for other employees who are similar in their abilities or inabilities to complete the same essential job functions. Employers should ensure that supervisors, managers, and their HR know how to handle any of these types of requests to, 
to avoid any types of claims for disparate treatment. Additionally, if an employee refuses to get vaccinated and they are a union-represented employee, the employer may need to bargain and reach an agreement with the union before mandating vaccines. Unionized workforces should always have a CBA that is reviewed. If you decide to implement instead a voluntary vaccination program, the process of getting your employees vaccinated is easier than ever in Texas. Governor Greg Abbott, along with the Texas Division of Emergency Management, also known as TDEM, and the Texas Military Department have launched the State Mobile Vaccine Team Call Center. As of May 7, 2021, Texas businesses or civic organizations can call at 844-90-TEXAS and schedule a visit from a state mobile vaccine team to vaccinate employees, visitors, or members who want to participate in the program voluntarily. Employers incentivizing vaccines can also provide their own programs to make vaccinations more user-friendly. This can include using volunteers to help alleviate stress from any technological or language barriers or lack of information for employees attempting to get information online or otherwise. If an employer decides to incentivize employees to get vaccines, employers should ensure that any incentive programs are clearly designated as voluntary. Just as when mandating vaccines, employers should also take care to ensure that incentive programs do not discriminate against employees with disabilities or sincerely held religious beliefs. According to the EEOC's most recent guidance, employers may offer incentives to employees to get vaccinated from third-party vaccination providers. Employers who administer the vaccines directly may also offer incentives to employees to receive the vaccine in the form of both rewards and penalties, but the incentive may not be so substantial as to be considered coercive. So looking at some of the cases, there's been times where employers have offered gift cards, sometimes $50 or $100 or other amounts, and that's not considered to be coercive. Other times, paid time off to go get the vaccine itself, or any paid time off for any adverse reactions, which is a good idea, particularly if you're mandating, but also if you're trying to incentivize. There are a few employers that may have a day trip or something like that that's being offered, but when you start getting into things that may be thousands of dollar cash prizes, the ticket in and of itself is not necessarily coercive, but when you're talking about a huge incentive, that may become something that it's too good to refuse or an offer that cannot be refused. Used to be that pizza party was how certain things were done, but these days the consideration for incentivizing during COVID should be considered without going overboard. Given the overarching challenge of the pandemic and the federal government's goal to fight COVID-19 by getting shots in as many arms as as many people as possible, it is unlikely that companies will face stringent enforcement against any plans that they put together to provide vaccine incentives. They should still have smart, well-thought-out, comprehensive plans that consider the laws, regulations, and cases that we've discussed. To that point, the Department of Labor and OSHA have indicated they're making decisions so as to not de-incentivize employer vaccine efforts. As a result, OSHA has suspended enforcement of 29 CFR 1904's recording requirements that would otherwise require employers to record adverse reactions and side effects from COVID-19 
vaccines. All of those recordings have been postponed as a requirement until at least May of 2022. As a result, side effects from vaccines do not need to be recorded on Form 300 logs, even if they meet the definition of work-related illnesses. In conclusion, there are several considerations to make for anyone when considering to implement a mandatory vaccine program related to COVID-19. Start by making an announcement of your intent to mandate vaccines strategically and make it easy to digest for your employees. Have a plan on how to handle employees or customers who want to know who specifically has been vaccinated and train your managers on how to address these issues. Put into place clearly defined written policies and procedures related to the vaccination, when it is required, who is required to take it, who is exempt, and what is considered compliance, and clearly defining disciplinary actions as a result of any failure to follow the mandatory vaccination policies. Instead of mandating the vaccine, consider offering employees information on the benefits of vaccinations or the process involved in getting vaccinated. Adding to the convenience of getting it at work or through an authorized third party and covering the cost of vaccines can also make the implementation much smoother. Incentives for vaccinations such as PTO to get vaccinated or to recover from side effects is a smart option. By incentivizing instead of mandating vaccines, you can still focus on the safety of your workplace while also focusing on the morale of your staff when deciding how to approach the many issues regarding COVID-19. You should also maintain and properly safely and securely store electronic or written records of all who have complied with or who are exempt from the mandatory policies when you have mandatory vaccinations. You should also be reviewing and engaging in the interactive process with employees who request to opt out entirely if they have medical or religious objections to vaccination. Such an objection is asserted an interactive dialogue should be established to determine whether the employee's objection can be accommodated for the position the employee applied or is currently employed so they can complete their essential job functions. For those employees with medical or religious objections, consider offering them reasonable accommodations when possible to include providing a mask, gloves, or other personal protective equipment, asking that employee to submit to testing for possible diseases when warranted or on a regular basis, trying to see if they can do remote or socially distanced work, and monitoring recording the employee's temperature. Only one accommodation has to be provided if you decide that you can provide a reasonable accommodation. Make sure to update job descriptions and essential job functions to include any position that might require mandatory vaccination. Remember to comply with ADA mandates and record keeping by keeping medical records separate from the main personnel file. Continue to follow any stringent standards that apply relating to accessing those records. Also, please continue to watch for any and all updates related to guidance or any new rulings on cases. And lastly, you should seek clarification from your workers' compensation insurance provider on how adverse reactions to a vaccine would be covered, or having employees who object due to history of certain reactions to medicines or food consult their physicians prior to any vaccines. Now, we will be covering in our fourth episode considerations related to telework, mandatory return to work, and other 
factors from returning to the workplace or maintaining our position at home. Thank y'all for listening to the Schmoyer Reinhard Employment Law Podcast. Join us next Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. And please remember to go to our website at sr-llp.com for more updates. Schmoyer Reinhardt, partnering with business. <laughs>